Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Children of the Night, what music they make. It's Eric Roberts is the fucking man Redux, the world's most beloved Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly and joining me as usual is old scratch Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? You know, Doug, I'm pretty dang good. You know, Liam, I call you old scratch there in the uh, opening and that's uh, mm-hmm. that's a name that people use for Satan, for the devil. Oh, I thought this was w- one of your old timey racial slurs you like to throw at me. No, I, I keep those for off of uh, Mike. Liam, um, I have a question for you that ties in to the fact that you have a religious background. Okay, sure. Go for it. So I called you Old Scratch, again, a name for the uh, Satan for Beelzebub. Do you believe in uh, Satan? Uh, no, not particularly. I mean, if if I were to buy into that sort of... Buy in. <laughs> yeah. Into that kind of cosmology, uh, it wouldn't be the sort of character that we've created, right? Like... Uh, the, this idea of this like source of all evil and things like that. Most Red of those pajamas, pitchfork. Mo- most of those references in scripture to characters like that are just veil references to like other kings that the people writing the scripture didn't like, you know, um, and not references to like actual figures. The only story, which is I I, I assume is mostly a you know a metaphor or whatever. Anyway, that I think shut up, Liam. <laughs> Our guest today is a writer and creator of the popular Atomic Elbow wrestling theme fanzine. It's Robert Newsom. How are you doing today, Robert? I couldn't be better. I am excited to be here. Robert, did you want to hear more about what Liam had to say about his belief in Satan? <laughs> I was I was locked in. I, I thought we were I thought we were taking a hard right into uh, theology talk here. Um, but uh, yeah, I got really excited and it got shut down. But I look forward to um, Liam's theology podcast later on. Liam, I think actually does. Liam, is this true that you aspire to one day have a theology-based podcast? Oh no, not at all. I mean, you should though. <laughs> he, oh, okay, do what? I do I th- <laughs> do I think that at some point I would like to mm-hmm. use my education for something more than I currently use it for? Yes, but I think a theology podcast, just as a base thing, is not exactly what it would be. It would have to be oh. something different than that because that doesn't feel like the vibe. You know what you should incorporate into it? Do you know what you should incorporate into it? (laughs) (laughs) I was really like, I'm just not going to say anything. But you got the way you just doubled down. Movies, Liam. uh, No, (laughs) No, not Eric Roberts. For the first time, not Eric Roberts. I just feel like all of your podcasts have something to do with movies, so it'd be like that would be the least interesting. Well, thing I know to the, the one time, it. the one time we tried to get away from movies, it didn't work out. We tried to do comic books and it failed, and now I just talk about movies all the time. Well, I think that's it, it was a non-starter, but there's some there's something there. Anyway, you should you should massage that idea and come back at some point. But we're not talking to you; we're talking to Robert. Robert, you are a lifelong enthusiast of Eric Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> Since I, I, yeah, since since childhood. 
Yeah, since since at least the last couple of weeks since you agreed to be on the show. Do you have any memories of seeing Eric Roberts in movies previous to the one that we're going to be talking about in this episode? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was a huge fan uh, of the movie Best of the Best. Oh, I, yeah. I love that movie. I still do. Um, I am of the opinion that the only true film genre is illegal underground martial arts tournament. Interesting. And so um, now I know that in the first best of the best, it was more of a above ground legal martial arts tournament, True. but best of the best two is one of my all time favorite action movies. Maybe, I mean, if we want to dig down a little deeper, one of my all time favorite movies, I love best of the best part two. Um, but I didn't really know much about Eric Roberts other than Oh, he's the guy from best of the best. And we used to, <laughs> you know, when I was in high school, I had a friend who worked at the video store. If you showed up 10 minutes before he closed, you could take anything home and just bring it back to him whenever. And best of the best was a film that we would take. It was constantly at one of our houses. It was never in stock at the store. Oh. And we watched best of the best pretty much on a loop. Um, and so without knowing it, I was being exposed to um, the uh, the the truth and the light of of Eric Roberts. Uh, looking over his filmography before you know recording this episode, there's not a lot of other Eric Roberts films that I've seen. No, uh, but but I have seen his two best of the best movies, and he does have the distinction of being in the best, best of the best. You know, we hear, because there are other best of the best movies that don't feature Eric Roberts, not worth talking about, particularly on this Eric Roberts-themed podcast. But the thing about, uh, we do have guests occasionally who are most familiar with Eric Roberts from the best of the best films. And because of that, they think of him as an action-type guy. When, of course, I mean, since you've gone through his filmography a little bit, looking at it online, there's not like a, he's done a lot of action movies, but he's not really an action guy. And that's not where he cut his teeth. So he really he is. Uh, he's multifaceted. That's what we like to say here. And Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Before we jump into a little bit more Eric Roberts news or all of the latest Eric Roberts news, I should say. Can you tell me a little bit about Atomic Elbow, Robert? I want to hear more about it. The Atomic Elbow is a professional wrestling fanzine. Uh, I've, uh, I've been doing zines in one form or another. Uh, since the actual 1990s. And about 11 years ago, I started doing this uh, fanzine about professional wrestling, and I can't stop doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I've just uh, I've just continued it. And now we're uh, on the newly published issue 39. And um, we're going to hit 40, if not this year, then early next year and uh, keep going from there. Um, it's uh, it's something that uh, is always interesting to me to talk about or write about, I guess, but I view it more as a conversation um, because I'm not really, you know, it's not academic writing for, sure. for goodness sake, but, mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, just to, to sort of look at wrestling and see how it links up to all aspects of culture, which sounds kind of high, you know, high handed or whatever, but it's not, it's not. It's not. It's lowfalutin. If it's falutin <laughs> at all, it is. It's falutin lowly. I'll take big whatever falutin I can get. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I want to. Uh, usually, I save all the plugs till the end. But I always figure, Liam, that people, as soon as they hear us mention plugs, they just stop listening. So I'm gonna do. I'm gonna cut the format a little bit. Robert, if people want to check out Atomic Elbow, what's the best way for them to do so? 
it's all uh, available through a big cartel site because I'm lazy. It's uh-huh. the atomic Uh None of the writing that I do for the atomic elbow makes its way online. It is a print only uh, publication. I think it's important for some things to remain on paper. Um, sure. So uh, it's $5 and it comes with a money back guarantee. If you buy it and you don't like it, you get in touch with me within two weeks and tell me that you didn't like it and I will give you your money back. Yeah. But you know what I would say to those people? <laughs> Do you know what I would say, Robert? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. What would you say to those people? I'd say you should shove it up your ass. <laughs> well, no one's done it yet. No, no, of course no they haven't. No one's asked for the refund yet. But I, I'm that's waiting. what you should you should lead with that. Actually, like they, there's a money back guarantee that no one has had to take advantage of because once they get it, they realize the quality is so high that they would be a fucking fool to ask. That's for right, 100 percent satisfaction rating. Also, it's five bucks. What are they going to do? They're really going to go, come yeah. after you for five bucks? Cheap it's like half shit. a burrito. Yeah, half a burrito. Right? It, just eat it. Eat the burrito. Eat the half the burrito. <laughs> uh, of course, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. But now, we need to take a look at all the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. It's The Roberts Report. For this episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man redux. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. And I think you should. First, we start off today with something very special, a message from comrade Eric Roberts, who wrote on September 24th, no government or individual outside the family should have any jurisdiction over separating any non-abusive members of said family. In other words, stop immigration laws now. The planet belongs freely to all of us. He follows up with, remember, thou shalt not steal. Well, stealing people from their loved ones and stealing their opportunities to feel safe and secure is stealing. Immigration laws are a sin concocted by outlaws. Some strong words from actor Eric Roberts on Twitter just recently. And of course, I know that it's no longer called Twitter, but what are you going to do? Starting with our guest today, Robert, what do you think about immigration laws? I love the fact that Eric Roberts seems to be for border abolition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can I can 100% get behind that. Um, yeah, I mean let's let's uh, let's erase those borders. Let's Me get and rid Eric of them. Roberts. I'll be I'll be right out there with him. I'll I'll be out there. I want to get on board with whatever he has to say. I mean, he said some things that I don't agree with, but hey, I have to be honest. <laughs> overall, Eric Roberts or perhaps his wife, who might be tweeting through his account, they have some uh, interesting things to say that I generally agree with and this is one of them liam o'donnell any thoughts in regards to let's get rid of those immigration laws let's open up those borders buddy sounds good to me sounds good to you and also let's let those people out of prison right yeah pretty much yeah let's cut those prisons down to size let's burn them down well i don't know they're most of them are <laughs> concrete doug i don't know if that's gonna work out back on september 15th eric roberts tweeted a career in film is like walking on a tightrope made of stardust <laughs> 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 a, car- <clears throat> a, <clears throat> a career in film is like walking on a tightrope made of stardust actually he spelled it start dust to here but i'm pretty sure he meant stardust i'm gonna stick with you for a second robert now um mm-hmm. i imagine you're a fan of movies would that be correct i am i i, I do love movies you ever appear in a movie robert no um, I have never been in a movie, but I did ruin a shot of the movie, the Tom Green movie Road Trip. Oh, now tell me more. 
I do actually. I am very uh, interested in this road trip, which I have not seen. Uh, I have many on, times. <laughs> it was filmed on the We're campus. So it was filmed on the campus of the University of Georgia in okay. Athens, Georgia, where I live. And at the time it was filming, I was driving for FedEx. I was a FedEx courier, and my route included the northern part of the University of Georgia campus. And I was going about my business, uh, just having a, a normal day at work and <laughs> walked through what I thought was a crowd of students and heard a very loud voice scream cut. And all of the students walked back to where they had initially come from. I was dressed in a FedEx uniform, which is covered with logos. And apparently the presence of these uncleared corporate logos in the shot had ruined uh, the take. And so uh, I was yelled at by a production assistant. And I said, look, I, I, I understand that you're trying to do your job. I am also trying to do my job. If you let me into this building to deliver these two packages, I will walk out the back door and not come back out through your shot. So... That's my brush with stardom. It sounded like you were being pretty reasonable. I think everybody was being pretty reasonable, but I, I do um, have a sense, even all these years later, uh, of exactly how much work I made everybody have to do over. And that's always frustrating, regardless uh, of what you're You job didn't is, know. So. That's not your fault. But also, do you know who you probably made mad? I hope Tom Green. Well, maybe Tom Green, beloved Canadian actor Tom Green from Freddy Guy Fingered, but most likely future Oscar-winning director Todd Phillips, the director of Road Trip. You know what? I had never thought about that. But the director of I Joker. Did. You did. You pissed uh, off the Joker guy. The Gigi you, Allen guy. Yeah, the Gigi Allen. Well, I mean, in his earlier, more credibility-filled days, <laughs> he was that guy. <laughs> but now he's the Joker guy. I guess it depends on what kind of credibility you're talking about. Liam, I'm going to move over to you for a second. Have you ever ruined a shot except for the one in Creed that you appear in? <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> I think I did once because um, I've seen some filming uh, in Philadelphia before, and sometimes it's gone well. But one time when I was walking down Broad Street, a PA was desperately trying to keep a crowd from crossing the street so that they could get this shot. And I, like many people, did not notice that this person existed. Like, people were basically ignoring them and just walking past them. And so I just kind of followed the crowd and only even noticed that this was happening when they particularly stepped in front of someone really trying to get them to stop. And this person started, like, losing their shit on oh. them. And I turned around to be like, what's even happening back there? And I saw the person's the person who was getting yelled at, you know, uh, uh walkie-talkie and clipboard and then i looked around and suddenly i realized that across the street there was a camera and i was like oh did we all just ignore this poor pa in the most philadelphia way possible where we just didn't even notice someone was trying to stop us i felt really bad so i'm sure i ruined that shot but i got the feeling that i was so far back in the group of people that were just ignoring them that someone else had already ruined the shot before i even got there which is my way of sort of absolving myself of guilt you know well liam your story was great, and I'm sure we're all very entertained by it, but what was the name of the movie that was being filmed? I have no idea. I still don't know. I have no what? Idea. Bro, I, I, that's what I'm trying to tell you. If I had known they were filming, I wouldn't have even been walking down that part of the street, so I wouldn't get stopped. I had you no idea said, they were filming. I'm not leaving this fucking spot until you tell me what movie this is. <laughs> no. What year was this? 2010? 20, 2009? Something like that? 
I was going to be like, for a minute, it's like, well, definitely they were filming. Like, I could fucking guess from yeah. like here in yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> Liam, I, but just going back to Eric Roberts, the uh, the uh, topic of this particular podcast, is a career in film like Walking on a Tightrope made of stardust? I'm sure it is. He, I mean, he would know. He has a career yeah. in film for quite a while. Am I gonna? Am I gonna disagree with Eric Roberts about filmmaking? I think some one of us has more experience than the other. Well, speaking of dissing, speaking of disagreeing with Eric Roberts, Liam, what are your thoughts on? Don't do this to me right now. <laughs> do not, <laughs> Liam. What are what are you, Liam? What are your thoughts on popular entertainer Michael Jackson? He's a musician. Complicated figure, Doug. Complicated figure. A complicated figure. A little hard to talk about, so let's dive into it. Eric Roberts back on August 22nd said, Thank you, CNN, for covering the hashtag Michael Jackson trial decision. Thank you, courts, for moving ahead with the trial. With the abuse he suffered at the hands of his monstrous father and his silent mother, the brilliantly talented Jackson had no chance of mental stability. Followed up with, he couldn't help himself past his sexual power compulsion, victimizing male children through garden variety confusion, grooming, and implied threats. But dropping the denial will allow Jackson to posthumously greatly help other children. Liam O'Donnell, uh, Eric Roberts has some thoughts on Michael Jackson and his weird sexual deviancy. Any thoughts about that yourself? Not particularly, Doug. But give us a few thoughts. Now, um, Michael Jackson was accused of some pretty heinous acts yes. to you. Yes. Uh, really unpleasant stuff. Would mm-hmm. you want to actually tell us a little bit about that? No, I don't. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad stuff. Yeah, it's terrible. And you know what's also bad? You cannot bring that stuff up on social media because people will be upset at you about it. Well, I think there there's a real feeling of defensiveness around african-american celebrities right reasonably so and i understand that because we live in a white supremacist world so i get it but i think the evidence against jackson might be a bit undeniable at this point though i do wonder sort of like now that he is gone like i I don't know the details of what is being resolved at this point me either i have no idea what he's like Like, i don't really know (laughs) like what is going to happen i but i do think that um you know i i I do wish there was a way to talk about these things that acknowledge the horror of them without making it impossible to talk about them because i do think that abuse happens and people need to be able to talk about it or else uh, it continues to be a secret, you know, so it, it, you know, assuming that the evidence is correct and, and Jackson really did uh, 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 do, you know, commit these crimes, which I think is is becoming more evident. It would be helpful if we lived in a world where that could be talked about instead of, you know, it's used as a as a nightmare image or as like a, a fear mongering thing to like scare people. But we don't actually acknowledge the reality of it and people don't feel comfortable even sharing their own experiences with it you know yeah very even-handed look at the topic over to you robert thriller or off the wall uh i just want to go on record as Mm -hmm. being against abuse yeah okay thank you somebody had to say it and i'm glad it was you yeah i mean i know i i i'm very brave okay um i I don't want to take i I don't mean to be taking a devil's advocate position here No, of course. And we certainly aren't making light of the fact that something terrible was talked about here. We are making light of the idea that Eric Roberts wanted to chime in on the subject. Uh, though, I mean, I do think there is a uh, a hint of truth that we have not investigated the 
way that uh, abuse can work in cycles and that mm-hmm. perhaps mm-hmm. the instead of cowering at the idea of exploring you know the the guilt and innocence or or the evidence regarding Michael Jackson's potential alleged crimes that if they if if we go with the idea that he did do them why might he have done them and what is where where does that come from in his background because we know that he did Exhibit, uh, well, we know that his father was an abusive piece of shit. Rest in hell, Joe Jackson. Back on August 12th, Eric Roberts, he was blown away and grateful by a tweet from Stephen King, who on August 10th was talking about the film Babylon, and he said, yes, sir. And what he was saying yes, sir, to was another tweet where someone was saying that Babylon was good and that it will be reevaluated and beloved. Liam, a few months ago, we watched the movie Babylon. Do you remember what your thoughts on it were? Um... I think I said it was pretty bad, actually. <laughs> well, you would be disagreeing with Stephen King, someone with notoriously good taste. Robert, over to you. Did you watch this movie Babylon? I have not uh, seen Babylon, so I mm-hmm. will defer to Mr. King um, on on that matter. You like the Stephen King character, Robert? I don't particularly have strong feelings about Stephen King one way or the other, but I do think, and it's, I I work on the campus of a university now, and I work with a lot of people who are academics and who fancy themselves academics. And it's always kind of a measure of what brand of academia they are when I say, and I truly believe that Stephen King is an incredibly important author. Sure. And I think in in a hundred years time, he will be looked at probably the same way we look at Charles Dickens now. And I think there's a lot of parallels because they're both incredibly popular in their in their own time. They're both serialized and worked in novel format. They were um, they were both people who used current events and gave full pictures of what society was like at the time that they were writing. And so I could take or leave Stephen King as an author. I've read some of his stuff and thought it was fine, but I do think as a cultural thing, he and his body of work are, and will continue to be important. I think that's very fair. I also remember in Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities, when all those kids had an orgy. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. And, and when that, and when the when the carriage came to life, and <laughs> Liam, there was you know, no we horse a... attached to it. <laughs> Liam, I, I think we've talked about Stephen King several times on our various podcasts. I can't remember what the context of those were, uh, but I made a little joke about Stephen King having you know mixed taste. But I think generally. He has pretty good taste, wouldn't you say? I don't know that I always agree with him on movies. Like, he every once in a while is tweeting that some movie is, like, the scariest shit he's seen in a while. And I think I'm about 50-50 that, like, sometimes he'll recommend something and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's really good. And then other times uh, he'll recommend something and I'm like, no, 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 thank you. I got a uh, question for you, Liam. Sorry, yeah, before you, you could. Notoriously, the film The Evil Dead, the Sam Raimi movie, that it was on a path to be somewhat forgotten before Stephen King saw it and he made this wonderful quote at calling it like the most ferociously original horror movie. And it made, like, they put it on all their posters. It basically turned this movie that might have been forgotten into a huge success. And I think Sam Raimi basically attributes his entire career to that quote. Do you think that every time Stephen King is like championing a movie, he's thinking he's doing the same thing that he did back then? I don't know. No, I mean, I've seen him endorse movies that don't need the let's call it the king bump. 
I don't know that that's always his motivation. Um, remember, when was, King was doing, was, remember when King was doing a lot of bumps when he was making maximum? Oh board? my god! <laughs> um, I was I was gonna say like you know uh, a friend uh, in a band was on tour and he met what Stephen band was King. This? What band? Uh, he was in a, the band Wrong Answer, and right. they were on tour. You know, Stephen King's in the band, the Rock Bottom Remainders. And he met Stephen King at a gas station. Mm-hmm. And the reason he met Stephen King is that Stephen King stopped to compliment his meat puppet shirt. Oh! And I, and I remember when he told me that story saying, well, Stephen <laughs> King's always had questionable taste. <laughs> and he did not like that joke, uh, but I still do. <laughs> uh, one thing that you should know, Robert, is that Liam is a punk uh, Robert AS. knows all about my embarrassing musical history. Okay? He's a straight Come edge. On. He's a straight edge punk and former lead singer of Revolver Method, a famous uh, punk rock. No, band. stop, stop it! <laughs> I hate you so much, Robert. What do you think I about? Think it's imp- oh, please. Oh no, I was going to say I think it's important to remember that even though Stephen King is Stephen King, all capital letters, he's also a seventy-six-year-old man. Yes, right. He's so, an old guy. You're you're gonna get diminishing returns. I mean, if you if you just take the the tastes of the average seventy six year old, it's 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 hit and miss. I mean, yeah. he's a seventy six year old man who lost perhaps a full decade to cocaine. So who knows where his brain's at at this point? And also lost a few right. months for when he got run over by that truck. Remember that? He did get I run did. over by a, a van as well. A van. So, yeah. so no, I, I'm sorry. It was it was a van behind the truck. <laughs> he just got I think run it was. Over. I think it was. I think it was the meat puppets on tour. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I can't help but I can't help but recommend Stephen King has done a number of Terry Gross interviews, which, as you know, being from Philadelphia, Terry Gross, it was very important to me uh, as a as a thing to listen to on the radio. And uh, he did a Stephen he did an interview with Terry Gross right after he was hit by the van, and he said a bunch <laughs> of stuff that was pseudo spiritual. And then oh. a few years later, he did an interview with Terry Gross where she brought up the things he said straight with recordings and he was like i don't remember saying that that sounds wrong (laughs) and i loved it in multiple moments in an interview he contradicted himself from just six years earlier and i just was like oh steven (laughs) after a near-death experience i think we're all liable to say something exactly no 100 percent remember that terry gross interview with gene simmons liam no, I did not listen to oh, that. Oh, it one. is notorious because Gene Simmons is such a creepy old bastard on it. Anyway, fuck him. Uh, back on August 5th. Oh, I was going to ask you, Robert, what do you think about children? <laughs> I, I, They're fine. They're fine. It's seven out of ten, yeah. right, children? I the mean, whole concept. I, you know, I've got – there's one in this house right now, so I can't speak too loudly because yeah. it might hear me. Right. It might hear you. Uh, Liam is also – I think – Liam, you rank rank fatherhood on a scale of one to ten. I mean, I, 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 I don't know what you're asking me here, Doug. Rank the concept <laughs> of fatherhood, right? The concept of fatherhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of pretty, being a pretty, father. Pretty, pretty low. Oh, the experience of being a father. Yes. So, so far, pretty high, actually. I'll give that a okay. nine. The okay. concept of fatherhood is like a two, I think. Okay, right. Yeah, because yeah, you could be a Joe Jackson or you could be a Liam O'Donnell, right? I'm not saying I'm good at it. I'm just saying it's been pretty good for me so far. Well, speaking of this topic, on August 5th, Eric Roberts tweeted, As for our kids knowing they're loved, it's not their job to know it. It's our job to show it. Uh, is, you both, I don't have children. I have a dog who won't shut the fuck up. Uh, so I don't really, can't, I can't really weigh in on this. Starting with you, Robert, is this true? You got to show your kids love? Is this right? <laughs> I, okay. You don't have to. Right? <laughs> but Legally, you don't. It, it, it is a good idea. 
from at least the leading scholars in the area say that it's mm-hmm. a good idea. Dr. Spock. Um, but, but again, we were, we were speaking earlier of Michael Jackson. And so again, you don't have to, but mm. it is a good idea. Okay. Now uh, to get the other side of the, uh, of, of this argument, Liam, is it a good idea to show children love? I mean, I try not to, but I can't help it, man. You're being a little funny now. You're being a little joker. <laughs> You're being I mean, a little Todd Phillips. <laughs> literally, literally, just just the other day, I was giving into something Maeve wanted, and I said, "I'm too nice to you. I got to learn to be tough and say no more." And she said, "That's never gonna happen. Don't pretend." <laughs> so that didn't uh, feel good. Liam, recently on MovieWeb.com, there was an interview with Eric Roberts. All about his uh, upcoming film. I guess maybe it's actually already out. It's called My Last Best Friend. And in that movie, he plays two roles. He plays, I don't know if it's twins or something. I didn't really read it. But uh, we've seen him play two roles before in a couple of those uh, Stock by My Doctor movies. Remember that? He plays Laid uh-huh. Back Beck. and Three roles. Back. Three roles. Three roles. I mean, he yeah. is a multifaceted performer. But in this interview, he's asked... What are his favorite uh, acting roles that he's ever done? Probably n- not a question he's ever been asked before. <laughs> he says, uh, as a response to this, I can give you six or seven movies that answer your question about what roles stood out for me. He shared about his own personal best. He says, that's 1978's King of the Gypsies, Star 80, Runaway Train, It's My Party, Love is a Gun, The Pope of Greenwich Village, and Purgatory. Those were the hardest movies I made as an actor and the most fun because they were the biggest challenge, especially Star 80 and The Pope of Greenwich Village. They were so far away from what I am, but they were such good stories with such good directors that I had to do them. I'm really proud of it. Can't help but notice, Robert, he did not mention best of the best on that list. What do you think about that? I, you know... I understand that it may not have as special a place for the stars. Well, you know what? It probably has a pretty special place for Philip Ree. Yeah, I think he's pretty going to be honest. Out of it. But um, I think if you, I think had you asked Philip Ree that same question, <laughs> I think best of the best might might have come up early and often in that conversation. Um, so, so maybe maybe Eric was just being nice and saying, you know, this is Philip's thing. Let's yeah, maybe- let's let him have it. I think I mean that's very fair. They seem to still have a pretty positive relationship. Liam, this is basically the Eric Roberts canon, right? He's put together the list of his biggest and best. If you needed to add one more movie to that list, what would it be? Um, that short film that we watched, uh, that we Paul's case, Paul's case. That you brought up to him on stage in front of a bunch of people. I did, and uh, he was. I think actually kind of impressed we had actually seen it, but he he confirmed that he thought it was is was really good, and, and I have to agree. I, I do think it's one of his better performances. Uh, I, I kind of want to think of something more modern, and I you know the only thing I can think of that I thought he was really good in that's very much of today is the Righteous Gemstones, which I still think he was really good on. You know, yeah. I'm kind of surprised he didn't list the Dark Knight simply because it's such a you know, it's people, so short, though, man. It is. It's a small part, but it's not like it's not so small that people forget that he's even in it. I mean, it's a pretty significant part. Yeah, but he's like the star of these other. You yeah, know what I mean? You know what I mean? True. Like, although How about the ambulance. Wait, he said purgatory, oh. right? I don't yeah, that's know. That's right. That's one of the ones I haven't. That's seen. the western. Yeah, it's a western that uh, that we uh, covered on the early. I gotta days watch of the show. it. I gotta watch it. I yeah. guess so. I also wish that he brought up La Cucaracha, another very good. Era oh, that's so, right. Yeah. I loved La Cucaracha. That was very good. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts filmography is the 2023 horror film Seance Games Mataxu, described as 
Social media stars unite to play Metaxu, an online seance game, only to find they have unwittingly unleashed the gates of hell. Uh, directed by Tane McClure, a prolific actress who also played Reese Witherspoon's mother in Legally Blonde 1 and 2. And if you're wondering if she's the daughter of the legendary Doug McClure, she is. Uh, Eric Roberts plays Demon <laughs> in the movie. And uh, Tane McClure herself plays Anna, the ghost of the red-haired woman. And if you're wondering if this movie is an award winner, the answer is yes. At the Accolade Global Film Competition, <laughs> it managed to win Best Film Feature, Best Direction, Best Women Filmmakers, Best Actor Leading, Best Actress Leading, Ensemble Cast, Script Slash Writers, and Best Supporting Actress. I guess it basically won every award at the Accolade Global Film Competition. With that in mind, with it being an award winner, Robert, what do you think about this movie, uh, Seance Games, Metaxu? You know, I don't normally go in for films that are obvious award bait, but um, I'm, I'm going to have to seek this one out. I mean, the Accolade Awards, you can't argue with with you know a pedigree like that so um i'm it excited swept, to see it it swept the ackies <laughs> which is what i'm gonna call if the only, accolade awards if only i could have been a fly on those walls you know <laughs> i'd like to see imagine being the loser of those categories you're like oh shit <laughs> you gotta go to the monaco streaming uh, uh award that uh, michael flatley won for the wonderful blackbird liam o'donnell uh this movie Seance games, Metaxu. Mm. Now, I, I don't like to fool around with the supernatural, Liam, especially this time of the year. We're deep into spooky season, right? Okay. Have you ever attended a seance? Uh, have I ever attended a seance? No, I don't think I have. Have you ever been in, in the presence of someone channeling a person? No, I've 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 seen like fortune tellers, and I've been at like tarot card things, but never someone claiming to like be in actual contact with the dead right right how about you robert you ever been in uh, contact with the dead or with someone who is in contact with the dead i have seen king diamond in concert nice. okay that's that's a good example yeah. so yes I'm, I'm gonna go with yes on that do you know that Eric I, roberts, I firmly believe that he was channeling something so you know Eric Roberts himself has had some ghost experiences. He was on Celebrity Ghost Encounters. We watched that on the podcast. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. He had strange sounds coming from his house. Might have been one of his many cats or one of the many squirrels in his wall. <laughs> but uh, they had one of those, what are they called, Liam? The things that can read the electrical signals that go in your house. And it was making sounds that almost sounded like voices, Liam. Mm. Mm. Liam, you ever use a, a Ouija board? Oh, Yes. What did you uh, get out of that? What, what were the demons Nothing. saying to you? Not Nothing. a thing. Yeah. yeah All yeah. right. Feels like we're not being, <laughs> we're not really tuning into the spooky. Uh, okay, but here's yes, the please. but here's the thing though, Doug. Yes. What exactly would an online seance game be? This is my issue with this movie. Metaxu, that, you mean? <laughs> is that Metaxu doesn't sound like a thing. I'm into the seance of it all. I don't know how you play an online seance. What is the goal of the seance game? Like you start playing it and then they're like, oh, you only contacted one spirit today. Sorry. You needed yeah. a 20 spirits to continue in this round. Well, I mean, I feel like the demons are online by this point don't you think right i mean we've been we're, we're uh, we've been an online society for a good 20 plus years no reason why the demons wouldn't be there with us so i mean I they're all in fortune you know what i'm saying huh oh, you hear what shit. i'm saying maybe oh, they're in eight chan huh? can you say yeah. that on a podcast i think i could say it you know what i'm saying <laughs> how about you robert you ouija boards or no uh no i've i've never i don't think i've ever actually seen one in real life 
Come on over, Robert. I, I got just, one I, right here. I got one. For I guess you. I just don't. I, I guess I just don't travel in those circles. Well, I mean, those you know, circles not, are the Toys R Us. I think. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, I've I've been in a, a board game store, but uh, no, I just I can't imagine a situation where somebody would whip one out and be like, "Hey, let's uh, let's." We play still talking this about game. Ouija boards. Um, hey. Hey. Before we continue, uh, I'm going to go on Amazon.com and look up the price of a Ouija board, and I want both of you to guess how much it's going to cost. And let's, whoever is closest wins a prize. Twenty. All bucks. right. Okay. Shut up. Uh, one Twenty second. bucks. All right. I'm going to go with the overall pick, which I think is an official winning moves games classic Ouija brown, eight years and up. I think that's the color of the board itself. Uh, let's start with mm. our guest today, Robert. How much? In American money, would this, without taxes or shipping, would this cost a Ouija board? My first thought was $25. So I'm mm-hmm. going to say $24.99 because nice. I know how, I know how Amazon's pricing structure works. Yeah. And also, you know, you got to come closest without going over. Um, I didn't really mention that rule before. I'm just kidding around, oh. of course. Over to you, Liam O'Donnell. I think you mm. already blurted out your fucking answer because, of course, you did. $21.99. You <laughs> mother fucker. Why? What? You absolutely are cheating right now. Or you contacted spirits to tell you what the price of the Ouija board is. You'll never fucking know, will you? I guess I won't ever know. Though the list price, Liam, is $39.99. So both of you way off. But no, you're right. It is $21.99 because it's 45% off. Pretty good uh, deal for uh, the ability to contact the spirit realm. Only $21.99 on Amazon. Pretty exciting stuff, Liam. Uh-huh. Liam, I had a question for you. Sure. <laughs> will we <laughs> will we be watching Seance Games Mataxu? Hopefully I'll be dead before then, but if not, yeah, then I'll... We'll we have to because we made a blood oath to cover the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Fair. And I'll tell you, a movie about a uh, seance, they take the blood oaths even more seriously. So we absolutely have to continue to do this podcast until we both fall down deadly. And what do you think about that? Awesome. Speaking of falling down <laughs> dead, let's take a break. When we return, hey, it's the spooky season, so let's watch a spooky movie. It's 2023's wonderfully titled Night of the Caregiver. Part of a caregiver's job should be good company. And you certainly are that. You okay? I keep dreaming things or seeing things. I, I don't know which it is. I don't believe in ghosts. Sounds like they believe in you. I'm chasing down an urban legend. I know which one you mean. Though you should know it's just that. An urban legend. Is there anyone else inside this house? There's nobody here but you and me. I've seen it with my own eyes. It wasn't a bad dream. It's not my imagination. I'm telling you the truth. Julie. caregiver and a sweet elderly woman find themselves in grave danger as something demonic dwells in their home. It's 2023's Night of the Caregiver, directed by Joe Cornett. 
uh, who's an actor and director, an actor in this very movie, in fact. Mostly, he's focused on Westerns for the last few years. He's helmed 2020's Incident at Guilt Ridge, 2021's Promise, and 2023's Gunfight at Rio Bravo. All of them Westerns. Written by Craig Hammond. Uh, Hammond uh, was actually the co-writer of Quentin Tarantino's very first film, My My Best Friend's Birthday. Also wrote Dollman vs. the Demonic Toys for Full Moon Video and directed 1988's Boogie Boy with Mark Descascos. Uh, starring Natalie Denise Spurl as Juliet Rowe, the uh, titular caregiver. Uh, the wonderful Eileen Dietz from The Exorcist, if you don't know the name. She's the face, she's the scary face from The Exorcist, but also uh, a very prolific actress, a lot of horror movies, but also... Uh, very uh, prolific in soap operas like Guiding Light and General Hospital. Anna Oris as Pamela. We'll talk about her in just a little bit. Joe Cornett himself as Detective Roman Eckhart. And of course, the great Eric Roberts as Dr. King. Not that one. Let's start with general thoughts on what everyone felt about Night of the Caregiver. Starting with our guest today, Robert. Just let it all out, sir. What did you think of Night of the Caregiver? Wow. You know, okay. When it started, I was on board. I, I felt like this is it. We're doing it. This this movie's got a tight runtime. Sure. They jump Very tight. they <laughs> jump into it immediately. There's there's no it doesn't mess around. There's there's monster hands within the first like couple of minutes. There is a monster. It is here. Like, look at this guy. He's gonna get you. It's it's all happening. And then as it went on, like it just started to unravel around the edges. Um, but it was still, I mean, it was a good time. I'm not mad that I had to watch it. Um, it's just not, uh, it's not a great film. Not a great film is what you have to say about this, Robert. And I have to say, I think I agree, but we'll get into that in just a moment, but let's go to what you said about the runtime for a moment. So this movie has a very kind of limited runtime. I would say, how long is this movie? When I started it, I, I I wrote down that it was 77 minutes, mm-hmm. but there are conflicting reports around uh, around the internet because some websites give that runtime as, as closer to 90. So I'm wondering yeah. if I saw a, a, an edit or if there's maybe an extended director's cut out there somewhere. Oh, please, I need please let there be an extended director's cut. Another 20 minute fucking montage at the end of it. <laughs> we watched the version, by the way, available on the Tubi streaming service. Uh, and uh, yeah, so you can be watching that right now. Only 77 minutes. In fact, the movie as a whole starts, uh, sorry, I should say, uh, finishes up well before that. And then something happens, which we'll talk about in just a moment as well. Let's get over to you, Liam O'Donnell. You did not uh, involve yourself in the choosing of this movie. That was, the movie was chosen by our guest from a option of three different horror movies because we're in the middle of the spooky season. So you didn't know what to expect. 2023 horror movie. I'm sure you were excited. What did you think of Night of the Caregiver? It's, it's pretty yes. bad. Pretty bad. Sorry, I thought you were channeling spirits <laughs> there for a second. I know, right? <laughs> um, it's, you know, it is a, it is a noticeably low-budget film. But it doesn't a noticeably low budget film doesn't have to lack as much creativity as this movie lacks. And for a movie that seems to hinge as far as its horror on one kind of semi effective makeup effect, you know, uh, they really don't bring it until the end. And before that, there's just a lot of awkward talking, a lot of awkward talking, and then like one clawed hand. And that's about the movie is like, let's cut to here. Let's cut to there. There's the spooky hand. And then she wakes up. All right. That's that's good. That's a bit, you know, and it felt very much like we had a premise to some extent 
and then there just wasn't an idea of where to go with it. Like it, it's it's a lot of just uh, the woman who needs a caretaker and the caretaker just being weird with each other, and then uh, what what seems what seems to me to be an elderly detective showing up who's like got a badass leather jacket on uh, that he just bought. Uh, he's yesterday. from New York City, Liam. It makes sense that he'd wear a leather yeah, jacket. Yeah, 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 yeah. But doesn't make sense that he'd still be a detective because he looks like he's 78 years old. And he shows up and then he just starts shooting ghosts or whatever. And <laughs> and and that's and what's the reason the movie is not great, Doug, is that that's the most exciting part of the movie. Though I will say earlier in the movie, seeing our man Mr. Roberts really nail some of the most inane, uh, 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 you know, uh, what dialogue? Okay. No, no, no. But I was going to describe it. It's not paranormal. The most ah. inane paranormal dialogue I think I've ever heard. But he's like really committed to like I'm making a point to this dumb detective. I was like, yeah, man, do it. Uh, but yeah, like a lot of the movie just it feels like it doesn't make any sense. But it, I will say, it wasn't exhausting to watch because sometimes it was kind of amusing in some of the decisions especially with a very important character friend pam showing up on the cell phone having conversations talk about <laughs> horror movies that kind of amused me at certain times and i will say that uh uh eileen deets right mm-hmm. um the joy that her not that the performance is great but the joy that that character takes in tormenting this caregiver a couple of times was funny for me where i was like oh, she's just really fucking with her huh? that 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 could be funny at times but overall the movie was was not great let me list the i think um oh please robert please oh no i, I just wanted to get in uh because Liam touched on the the appearance of Joe Cornett's detective character and th- specifically the jacket. And you, you said, well, he's from New York. He has to do that. And my note and the entirety of the review that I left on Letterboxd was that Joe Cornett was wearing a spirit Halloween Marky Ramone costume. Um, he even had one of those gaudy silver rings that's just an Indian headdress. Um, and it really, it was a choice that he made to appear this way, uh, to look that cool and, and to, to build on Liam's sort of, uh, assertion, uh, about Eric Roberts and his ability with these parapsychological terminology is, uh, I, I kind of felt like, uh, I kind of felt like Eric Roberts was seeing a lot of those words for the first time. When he was literally, you mean literally seeing in front of his eyes at that literally, very moment. I mean, let's get this out of the way. It's 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 blatantly obvious that they had Eric Roberts for three hours, and so I mean that's standard uh, Eric Roberts at this. That point. is that's standard. There, there is no way you can convince me that Eric Roberts read a word of this script before he was in makeup and costume and propped up on that couch. There's no way he saw those words before he said them. And yet he was more believable than Joe Cornett, who the whole (laughs) scene, you're like, why are you here? I don't understand why you're in this (laughs) One day till retirement, sir. (laughs) I mean, look. I mean, he's nothing if not a professional. He got it right, but he (laughs) he was obviously seeing those words for the first time. 
We uh, we joke a little sometimes about Eric Roberts phoning in a performance. In this movie, he literally phones in about 80% of his performance. <laughs> he yep. is just on the phone. But we're going to talk about his performance just a little bit. First, we need to talk about this movie, Night of the Caregiver. I'm going to tell you the two things I most liked about this movie. One was uh, that Juliet Rowe, the character played by Natalie Denise Spurl, she's a caregiver. She comes to this house basically at night after her regular shift of caregiving, I suppose. She's been, uh, she found this like this posting, this woman needs someone to take care of her overnight. She goes to do it. She's exhausted. She's hungry. She eats a thousand cookies. And she's like, she, you know, she bonds with the woman, but she starts going crazy so fast. Like, immediately she starts having visions and what's great about her role is the way that like she'll see eileen Deese's character and she's just like oh we have to take your vitals uh you know i'm feeling a little weird and eileen Deese is like yeah you're probably just having a dream or a nightmare or something and she's like yeah probably and then she's like you get out of here right now let's go <laughs> like she just loses it immediately but the thing the second thing i most like about this movie is someone that you already mentioned liam anna oris's performance as pamela the roommate of Juliet, she keeps her sanity by continuing to call back to her roommate, Anna Oris, playing Pamela. Uh, over to you, Robert. What's notable about this performance? Well, first of all, I was very unclear on the relationship between these two women. You're right. I, I did say roommate, but they also, it is at least, not suggested, but you could interpret it that they're more than roommates. I felt like it was implied that they were in some sort of romantic relationship because they, they spoke to each other in a way that really, I don't know. That's what it felt like to me. And Anna Oris has um, a very pronounced Eastern European accent and is as someone who is, Eastern European would probably be maybe not familiar with American vernacular in the way that her character might be. I see. Can you give us an example of what you might be talking about? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of questionable slang. From yes. from both now from both Anna Oris and the from the caregiver who's the actor whose name I forgot, um, but uh, at one point during one of these conversations, um, the and I wrote this line of dialogue down. I thought you were going to call me, and the response is, "Don't trip, I'm peachy." <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to call me. Don't trip. I'm peachy. Now you also, again, just remember, you won't have to remember folks. Cause I'm going to put the audio clip in right here. So we'll all be able to listen to it together, but you have to understand like this woman. Yes. She has a strong Eastern European accent. She is near unintelligible sometimes. And she, her stilted yes. dialogue makes her sound like Tommy Wiseau sometimes. Like she really is. It's not that I don't even know if she's a bad actress or a good actress. It's hard to tell because you're watching her and you're thinking, what is she doing in the movie? What is going on? I can't fucking believe it. You're overworking as always, aren't you? Being a maid instead of just a caregiver. Uh, Pamela, I'm supposed to make the patient comfortable. Uh-huh. Give me the bitch's name and address. She's not a bitch. Let me rephrase. Please, give me the lady's name and address. What for? In case Bigfoot takes you on a date, I'll at least know where to find you. Come on, Jewel, I'm just being safe here. Fine, it's um, 
Lillian Gresham. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Uh, Liam, do you have any memories of this uh, Pamela character? I mean, don't trip, Liam. Tell us. <laughs> I mean, yeah, every line of dialogue is crazy, <laughs> and. Even when there's a moment where she talks about how <laughs> the the caregiver character is explaining how the former caregiver has not done things like buy food and, and things like that. And yeah. <laughs> that's right. Pamela starts to uh, berate her that she's becoming, you know, more of a maid than a hospice nurse. But the way that she does it just felt so awkward that it took me like almost 30 seconds to figure out what was happening. Like, wait, what's the issue? And then I thought about it. I thought, isn't this woman supposed to be like incapable of taking care of herself? Like, of course you might have to like do other tasks other than just check her vitals. But like this was like, oh, you're overworking it. You're overcompensating or whatever the fuck it was. And it was very... It was a really weird scene. It was a very strange scene. It was something like, oh, you do so much over there. I'm going to come over there right now and stop you from working. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And it's just like it, it, it also and, and maybe maybe this is part of a discussion we can have later is the plot unfurls. But I just I know Eileen Dietz is, is an elderly actor, but she's in too good of sh- of a shape physically for me to buy her as, and I know disability and disease manifests in, in a lot of different ways, physically, mentally, whatever, but I just didn't buy this woman as someone who needed 24 hour hospice care. She has heart you know cancer. What I'm you know, Eileen Dietz herself is 79 years old. And she does not look 79. I would agree with that. She, she really, she does not. I mean, she's, she's, She's not a frail. She's not a spooky old lady to right. to use the horror movie trope. No, you're you know? right. And, you're exactly and I, right. And I kind of feel like you needed a spooky old lady to to really sell the 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 driving force behind the horror of this movie. Well, I think we should spoil that for people since we might as fucking well at this point. So, uh, if you don't want to hear about the big twist of Night of the Caregiver, I would suggest well. Pausing, not stopping. Pausing, and then going watching watching that for 70-plus minutes, then come back. Uh, and now we can talk about it. So Eileen Dietz, surprise, she's like a demon. The demon that's haunting this place that we see the hand of every once in a while, that's her because she made a deal with the devil uh, because she was dying of this disease. And uh, now she kind of shares her body with this demon. And then Roman Eckhart, the detective played by Joe Cornett, he shows up as well because his mother was a caregiver. And 23 years ago, she disappeared. And he finds out that there's a connection because every 13 years, this demon has to kill someone. I have to say, by the way, eternal life and all you got to do is kill one person every 13 years. That's actually not such a bad deal. I don't understand how there's that scene where Juliet goes into a room and she has all these dead bodies. It's like, how old are these bodies? It's one every 13 years. You're just hanging them around out there. But anyway, uh, yeah, Eileen Dietz, she then has to, you know, have a few scenes of her uh, mocking Juliet and, uh, and and being, you know, she, being a little more alive, even though she never really seemed that frail, as Robert brought up before. I do want to ask, I mean, Liam, you suggested that Eileen Dietz's performance wasn't that great. I think she is actually by far the best thing in this movie, um, simply because her character is so much more interesting than all the other characters in the movie. At least you know she has some sort of secret. She's at least, you know, playing it sort of creepy. Well, you, you, you didn't uh, think that she was very good? I mean, 
She's 79, Liam. Give her a I break. think the bar is set so low that, <laughs> yeah. yes, that she's better than a lot of the other performances in the movie. But no, it's not that she's great, but she's interesting, which, again, uh, not to hammer this point home, but our director slash detective, <laughs> I don't. I don't think he delivers a line as an actor the entire film. He's just sort of someone's like uninterested scene partner. And and uh the Pamela character is just a mystery, you know, though though an amusing one. I guess the only other person really we could talk about is the caregiver herself who I think I mean she's trying but it, it she doesn't really do much for me, Doug. So, you know, I don't. I have trouble blaming her too much, simply because right. the motivations of her character, like the the idea of why, like she has to go through all these transformations right away. She's like uh, having dreams, and she has to be disturbed by a scary face on her phone at one point. And and also, by the way, as you were mentioning, Robert, this movie kicks off right with scary stuff right off the beginning, then repeats that entire sequence three quarters of the way through the yes, movie, yes. like an extra you, you four minutes. <laughs> The exact same stuff. This is a movie that limps its way to its 77-minute running time. (laughs) I assume they shot it over one weekend, and then he had to figure out probably for a year of how to turn that footage into an actual movie. (laughs) I do love When she's driving her car to the old woman's house, there's so many shots of just her car driving and she's listening very loudly to this band that look let's be honest you know this is like one of joe cornett's friends band <laughs> that oh yeah i'll put you in the movie and it's it's kind of like that fake band from uh the early episodes of the tv show lost you know it's, it's got that same kind of feel to it and and there's so much of that song you hear almost the entire three minute song of her just driving. And then she has the phone conversation with Pamela while she's still driving. And it's just, it, it, it takes a long time for her to get to this house. And maybe they were going for a shining thing where they're, you know, driving up the mountain, but I don't know. Maybe <laughs> how funny, I, am I, am I, am I giving Joe Cornett too much credit? I was going to say, how funny would it be if Joe Cornett was the singer on that song? <laughs> It would not surprise me. <laughs> would not surprise me whatsoever. I also should mention that you're, you're right. There's lengthy driving scenes. All the dialogue in those driving scenes are ADR'd very, very poorly. Uh, so they have to like to keep cutting away from people because they're dialogue, especially Joe Cornett's stuff. That stuff is awful. Uh, it is notable also that Joe Cornett, um, the only scenes where Eric Roberts talks to another person just happens to feature the director of the movie as well. <laughs> And you know Joe Cornett, based on the way he was dressed, wanted his character so badly to ride a motorcycle, but he had to have a car to make those phone conversations with Eric Roberts work. And I, I, and maybe that's not true, but the world that I live in, that's that's what happened. So one of the things about this movie is that it has a pretty nice poster, a pretty scary looking poster with this crazy old demon with a scary face and whatnot. And it, that's probably the thing that gave me most hope that this could be something worthwhile. And eventually in the movie, as you alluded to, Liam, we do get to see the demon. It takes a long time, but once it appears, it we get to see its face quite a bit. And I'm going to say something nice about this movie. It's a pretty cool looking demon. Robert, what do you think about the demon in Night of the Caregiver? I thought the monster makeup or suit or whatever it was, was great. Um, 
in fact, early when it came on, you know, you see the hands, first of all, the hands didn't look flappy and rubbery. The, mm. the face, when you see it is well done. It's, if anything, I kind of wish we'd seen a little more of the, the demon makeup or suit or whatever it was. I, and it was, it was practical for the most part too. It wasn't, um, you know, it's so easy to, for a direct video movie from 22 or 23 to just get a teen to do some CGI for your monsters. But they, they didn't do that here. Um, for the most part there, there's some CGI in there, but for the most part that, that looked like a real actual thing that was on set. So, um, you, you have to, if you got to hand them anything, you got to hand them that. I think what the fact is so many movies of this budget level that have some sort of creature, it's going to, like you said, it's either going to be a CGI monstrosity or it's just going to be something really underwhelming. I like the design of it. I think it looks pretty cool. Liam, do you agree or disagree that the demon is worthwhile in Night of the Caregiver? I, the only thing that gives me pause, I, I generally agree. The only thing that gives me pause is while the hands did look cool, they were overused. And, of course. And there were so many shots of them that while my first thought was, oh, those look actually pretty cool, the 10th time I'm seeing them come around a corner or grab her throat, I'm thinking, I don't care about these fucking hands anymore. Like, what is happening? Once we see the face of, I guess it's the the demon or or it's uh, the woman manifesting as a demon, whatever it is, that actually looks kind of cool. Although I will say it also looks like a very fancy makeup from like a haunted house or something like it, uh-huh. it, it, it was cool, but it didn't feel quite cool enough to hang this whole movie around. It kind of looked like your friends, like neat makeup from like uh, the group, you know, the six flags haunting that they went to, you know, not like something that was really like super professional. Well, I went over to the makeup artist who did the makeup effects for this movie, Maria Abero. If you go to her website, she has the demon right there on the front page, Liam. I've put an image of it in our show notes, so we can all see the demon up close. I will say, seeing it directly without the camera sort of moving around, it's a little less cool. I, I agree. I but I, but I think that, that <laughs> it, it kind of makes me think like, oh, well, actually, the camera work wasn't that bad because they really only show you enough of it, the face, most of the movie that you go, okay, well, that looks, it's it's not a, a, a rubber mask and it's not nothing. Um, but seeing it direct on in this picture, it does look a little corny. I, I kind of like that it's kind of brought to life without the rubber appliances. I mean, there yeah. are something yeah, there, yeah, yeah, but like yeah. that, it's mostly just a lot of like contours and sunken face effects and things like that. I think it really, I think, I think it works in the context of the movie. And Lee, you can't tell me that if you woke up in the middle of the night and you hear a little tap, tap, tapping, and you open your eyes and you see that scary monster face, you would be shitting bricks, sir. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> You'd probably thought that your daughter had <laughs> resurrected a demon using her Ouija board. Yeah, that sounds right. Robert, what do you think about the makeup effect now that I have an image for it in our show notes? I don't know if you have that in front of you at the moment. I do. And um, I, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> I mean, I get it. There, There's a reason that they don't show the monster in full light in most movies. And it's fine. It's fine. It looks like... Um, it looks like one of the monsters that would be in the background of like... Um, 
like black roses or a John Carl Buchner kind of <laughs> yeah, thing, you know, it's, it's so very true. much in that same vein, but instead of doing it with, with like wet latex, it's, it's all like mostly makeup instead of, you know, rubber with KY jelly spread all over it. <laughs> yes, what, what I'm absolutely. saying is that Maria, Maria Abreu is part of a rich tradition. <laughs> I got lost on her site just a moment ago, just looking up information. But yeah, I look, I, I, if anyone wants to see the demon, you can go over to that site or again, watch 77 minutes a night of the caregiver. Let's talk about the reason that we're here today. Gentlemen, Eric Roberts is Dr. King. Uh, Dr. King, as we've already referred to several times is a parapsychologist visited by detective. Is his name Roman Eckhart? Is that right? Did I remember that? Yes. A parapsychologist visited by Roman Eckhart. He's in search of, of the the reason for his mother disappearing 23 years ago and he feels like eric roberts character can provide him the key they have one conversation right before eric roberts has to get together get home to his wife or his wife will divorce him if he misses another dinner very important plot point and then for the rest of the movie when eric roberts appears which is i think is three times uh or maybe i think it's twice as conversations on the phone and then one missed call <laughs> Where I think he calls right. him a fool or something because he missed it. Uh, basically, he's he's telling the Joe Cornett character that his belief, which we find out later, is that a demon was involved in the disappearance of his mother. That it had been investigated. People have checked out the house and it was all a bunch of hooey. We discover that's not the case. So, uh, yeah, confident in his parapsychologist dialogue. But uh, Mr. Wrong Guy, when it comes to the actual uh, um, uh, discovery here in regards to it. What did we think, Robert? of the performance now with the understanding that much of it was likely read off of a card <laughs> a few feet off of the screen. What do we think of Eric Roberts in this movie? I, I look, please. He's, he's, he's doing, he's doing the best he can. I mean, I think that, well, first of all, I like the fact that his, his natural, I assume it's natural. I mean, he was, he's from Mississippi. So I, I assume that that's his natural accent. Um, and that's not, I don't remember the guy from best of the best two sounding like he's from Mississippi, but <laughs> Dr. King, the parapsychologist definitely taught classes in Oxford, you know, Mississippi, not England. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and so I liked that. I, I like it. I like it when there's an academic with a Southern accent to reclaim that from just the way Rubes talk. Sure. So, um, so I, I was I mean, proud I mean, of that. In, in, I mean, you're exactly right, and I agree 100. percent He is an academic in a ridiculous field. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Um, but, but I will stand by. I will stand by the fact that he was seeing those words for the first time, and there's a line of dialogue that, and this ties into uh, Dr. King's abilities as a parapsychologist when Joe Cornett or I'm sorry, when detective Roman Eckhart shows up at the house and, and meets up with Juliet, the caregiver, he says, and I wrote this one down, a parapsychologist told me how to find this place. <laughs> so <laughs> not only is he good at his job, he's also good with directions. <laughs> it's also and funny so, because doesn't at one point, Juliet, she just like gives the address to her roommate. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yes. He really tracked it down. The hidden house. <laughs> so what's that? You think Eric Roberts is good? 
Yeah, I think he's, I think he's great. <laughs> Liam O'Donnell. We've seen a lot of Eric Roberts performances on the podcast. Eric Roberts is the fucking man redux a lot, a real lot, well over a hundred at this point. Uh, how do you think he does in this? Is he? Let me ask you this as well. Is he given the best performance in this movie? No, I, I, Ooh. I wouldn't say it's the best only because not with Anna or just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 uh, no, no. I, I, I actually think even though I don't think it's a great performance, uh-huh. I think Eileen Dietz is just given more opportunities to be interesting. And that's just the reality is that he's supposed to discourage the detective and he's basically in a scene with someone who's giving him nothing to work with at all. Like it's a dead zone and he does. Okay. He does pretty good, but there's not a lot there. Uh, And, you know, maybe with a little more meat to chew on, we could get a little bit more from him, but you know, he's just being an uptight scientist in a fake science and and also, you know, anxious that this detective is going to get himself killed and it might be his fault. Uh, but, yeah, it's 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 just not that compelling, but it's certainly not bad. OK, well, I fall somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, of course you, do. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the IMDb reviews for Night of the Caregiver. This one from Paul underscore Hackinson uh, written on the 30th of September 2023. It's titled More Like Night of the Boredom. That's great. So Eric Roberts uh, is the star of Night of the Caregiver uh, from 2023. I think he brings a level of gravitas to a role that is ridiculous and honestly pretty unnecessary for the movie as a whole. Uh, that that it, I think it actually does improve the movie to have him there. Sure. And also, it probably makes it a little more marketable to have his name on the poster, as he is wont to do. Uh, I wish he did have the meat to chew on, like you said, that Eileen Deese's character does. I don't think it's a very interesting role, but I think he acquits himself very professionally, as Eric Roberts always does. He's Eric Roberts. Is, this is the, this is what we do on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast. I'm going to start with you, Liam. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 2023's Night of the Caregiver? Yeah, he still is. Yeah, he's still, I mean, come on, right? He's fine. He's absolutely fine in a movie that overall is not fine. I would say it's even not good, but it, it it's probably not as bad as we all thought it could be. And I, like I was saying to you before, Robert, it's probably still a movie that was better than the other two that you could have chosen. So I think you chose <laughs> wisely. Robert, what do you think? Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in the movie Night of the Caregiver? I think Eric Roberts, the actor... To be able to work himself up to a point where he is considered necessary to appear in a film where his entire role could have been replaced with a book. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The answer is yes. Absolutely. He is the man because Joe Cornett's character could have just found a journal from somebody who knew about the legend of this demon and read it out loud and Eric Roberts's entire presence in this movie would have been unnecessary or more unnecessary, but he's Eric Roberts. So you you got, you got to have that star power. And if you can, if you can pull him in for, you know, three, four hours, one afternoon, do it, get him in your bathroom, get him to record lines for a talking cat. Um, I I actually just, a question just popped into my mind. So Joe Cornett's character, detective Roman Eckhart, he must have grown. Gr- he must have grown up in California because his mother disappeared there, 
And then he moved to New York to become a New York tough cop for 40 years, I guess. And then I guess he went mm-hmm. back to California, still as that detective, to uh, to solve this crime. Pretty interesting stuff. I don't know why they didn't just make him a California cop, but I guess then he probably wouldn't be able to look like a member of the Ramones, a lesser member of the Ramones, I would say. Not one of, not one of the top three is what I would say. Would you agree with that, Robert? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's he's definitely like Richie or CJ. He's 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 down there. Oh, CJ, fucking. Anyway, let us uh, conclude with me agreeing with the both of you that Eric Roberts is the fucking man in Night of the Caregiver from 2023. Hey, I'll tell you what. It doesn't cost you nothing. You can go on Tubi right now, watch it free with ads. Probably even with ads, it still will not be 90 minutes, and that is a boon to this movie. I don't know if I actually mentioned it on microphone, but even though the movie is 77 minutes long, this fucker ends at the 63-minute mark, has a four-minute bizarre montage of just shots, just shots of things in a house. Doesn't make any sense. It's insane. And then it it cuts to seven (laughs) straight minutes of closing credits. Folks, this is is one of those uh, things where they have a script, written by the writer of Dollman vs. the Demonic Toys, that somehow didn't even, like, just scratch the 60-minute mark, and then they had to get everything up to 70 minutes. I already mentioned there's a whole opening sequence of the movie that plays twice in the movie. Uh, yeah, Night of the Caregiver, it's something else. Why don't you give it a watch? Tell us what you thought on the Eric Roberts at the Fucking Man website over at cinemasmorgasbord.com. Robert, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to watch a terrible Eric Roberts horror movie with us and to talk about his life and work. Uh, we've already talked a little bit about where people can find and uh, buy copies of Atomic Elbow. Where can people find you on the internet? I am still on the social media platform known as X for for the time being. Um, if uh, if 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 things start, uh, if somebody starts charging me money, I'm jumping ship. Uh, but right now, I'm Atomic underscore Elbow over there. I am uh, second period. On Instagram, the Atomic Elbow has an Instagram thing that I rarely use. And I'm also on Blue Sky at Atomic Elbow, no underscore, because you can't have those over there. So that's fun. Oh, and I'm on Letterboxd as well. Hell yeah. Um, All right. Atomic, uh, I think my Letterboxd name is Atomic underscore Elbow. That's what it is. Yes, the underscore is present on Atomic Elbow. At Letterboxd. Go over to your account right now and find out what your top four is so we can announce them to everybody here on the podcast. Your top four films, not best of the best. I'm very disappointed to see that. It is indeed American Ninja 2, The Confrontation, Nine Deaths of the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, and Super Ninja. So if you like those four movies, you're going to want to follow Robert on Letterboxd. We'll put all those links in the show notes. Of course, Liam O'Donnell. At the time uh, this episode gets released... I believe that we're still going to be in a spooky enough season that people are going to be enjoying the Halloween-themed content over at Cinepunks. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, we've got a series called In Defense Of, where people are you know, basically endorsing underseen or underappreciated horror movies to you, the reading audience. Uh, we've got a number of features uh, of people sharing their introductions to horror as a genre. And- <coughs> Sorry. Jesus Christ. Professionalism, please. <laughs> I hate you so much. Get a cough button over there. <laughs> of people. Uh, oh, am I going to be able to cut that together? Let's start the beginning of the sentence, sir. <laughs> I don't remember what the t- beginning of the sentence was. Hold on. Uh, we also have a uh, 
we also have a series of pieces of people sharing what, what their introduction to horror was, including uh, our co-host on the Jodowski uh, podcast, Julia Marchesi, talking about Pet Cemetery, and our friend Michael Veers talking about um, Frankenstein and Me and Me or something like that. I forget what the name of that movie is. Uh, <laughs> and there should be more. I, I have a piece that should be going up somewhat soon, uh, but it, it was delayed by life stupid life stuff that's gotten in the way of me finishing it but uh hopefully we'll have some more things going up and and you know special episodes of podcasts people talking about all kinds of spooky season stuff including the return of twitch of the death nerve where they share some of their favorite uh lesser known slasher movies uh they give a list and there are some great uh selections on there so check out that as well tell what are all the ones that they list (laughs) tell us all of them right now oh that sounds good yeah i'll do that (laughs) <laughs> Liam, we also recorded a Halloween horror special that at the time of this recording is already released. We talked about two recent horror movies. We broke format, as we do every year, to talk about some recent horror movies. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can find that over at Cinepunks.com or over at CinemaSmorgasbord.com, which is where you can find an archive of all the Cinema Smorgasbord podcasts. Such diverse topics as the career of Jackie Chan, the career of Steve Buscemi, Carol Kane, Alejandro Jodorowsky, George Kennedy, Paul Bartel, Dick Miller. There's so much wild, unpopular stuff over at CinemaSmorgasbord.com. That is still on Twitter slash X over at CinemaSmorg, S-M-O-R-G. If you want to follow the man, Doug Tilly, you can follow him over on Blue Sky where I'm just tearing things up at dugtilly.bsky.social. Um, yeah, is that everything, Liam? Where can you be found? Did we talk about that? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm at Liam Rules on a number of platforms. But not X. You were like, fuck you, Elon. Yeah, basically. You can find Cinepunks on all of your social media locations of choice. But for now, gentlemen, we need to take a little break. We need to relax back into the spooky season for a little bit longer. We're going to be back very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everyone. Night, night.